1: And all I can tell you is that I am glad that we live in a country that we do have. Fire personnel that were there, they fought that manhole cover to get it off, to get down in there when the water was just gushing at them, trying to shut the water off as it was inundating three cars and a house with water. Where the police were blocking off traffic and they did find the guy who was, oddly enough, in his own home in the shower. All right? I think hiding from the police. I am glad that there is order and structure in our community Because when they did that, someone came, I didn't have to call them, that turned off the water. And by the time I got up in the morning, by 5 o'clock like we do to get ready to come to church, turned on our water, we did have water, but a whole lot of air in the lines too. So it was just popping all over the house. But we got a clean shower because there's order in our community. And that order, we might say, oh, that's good, that's social government. All that good government, all that good government, Godly government comes because God is a God of order who established human government, and if we follow it appropriately, we will have that peace that he wants us to have. Now, again, if we want to go longer, I could bring out illustrations regarding family order, and you know families that we use the term now loosely, dysfunctional. We might as well just say they are so confused. There's a confused mess on what the roles are, who does what, how they should respond, how they do discipline, how they reward good behavior, and all the rest. Then you move that over into the church, And I bet if we had time to pass around a microphone, there are those of you that might have been in a church that had a tremendous amount of confusion. The morale was low. The church wasn't growing. You didn't know what camp you were in of who liked whom and all this kind of stuff. Healthy churches are growing churches. And healthy churches have a degree of order and yet freedom for people to express their own giftedness within that order and so you can see that with the boundaries and commands well what would God want me to do to demonstrate orderliness I'm submitting three here there could be 30 and I want to be careful of lists but I also want to bring it down to something that's a little bit more practical than just giving you a general idea so that you have something that you might want to work on yourself alright here's some things you could look at but don't be uh, restricted to this list alright you can use the resources of the following I'm going to give you five time talent treasures temple and tongue so write those 5 down time talent treasures temple and tongue i've got a two or three series that i'm doing research for to present to you in the in the weeks months maybe years to come but one of them i want to talk about worship And I don't want you to see worship as merely music, although it's a good part of it, but I want to talk about we worship God, and I'm going to show you actual passages and illustrations from Scripture on those five areas here. So time, talent, treasures, temple, and tongue. Let's read it again. Use those resources that i just given you, entrusted to me to their greatest efficiency, is that last word. So God has entrusted five of those to me. He has allowed me to have those as a living, breathing human being made in His image. Now I'm to take those and by His power for His glory in love, in faith live those out for His glory to give it back to Him in a greater efficient way. And you could look at the references on King Solomon as he collected and then he constructed the beautiful elaborate temple to God in 1 Kings chapter 5 and 6. But before I rush through that, let me bring it a little bit more simple for some of the kids in here for just a second and it's not because I think you kids don't don't get this. It's just I'd like you to just focus a little bit more as you're growing and understanding. When we talk about time here, we're talking about managing your time in an orderly fashion. Knowing how to set priorities. What is your purpose in life? Are you living out that purpose? Do you know how to keep your word when you say you're going to be somewhere, do something at a certain time? That often our orderliness is directly connected to our ability to say yes and no and to keep our word and honesty and, te- and integrity. So we want to make sure that we use our time. Have you developed now your own personal journal or calendar? Are you working with some form of a personal data system that you know that you can look at? Do you have a calendar in your home, a, a, a family calendar that you can look at for family ideas, family events, family outreaches, church things, things at school? Are you following your time? And then when you do it, You want to make sure that you do it in a godly way. You want to make sure you prioritize because not everything that yells at you, not everything that yells at you the loudest is necessarily what God wants you to do. Sometimes what He wants you to do is said in a whisper. All right, and then talent. Talent is a T word, easy for you to remember, but it also involves your spiritual gifts that God has given to you if you've trusted Christ as Savior. We would like to call it your sweet spot. We should serve in every area, and the areas that we're not gifted in, that's okay. God is, and so we dig into the Jesus that's inside of us, and he's inside of us, and we can live that out. However, he prefers for us also to serve in our sweet spot, the very center of the back, that we can hit that home run with with our life and focus. So our talent, do you know what your spiritual gift is? And serve in those areas first and foremost. And then your treasures. Do you have a budget? Do you live according to the budget? And some of you, your budget is going to bob and weave because you probably are given bonuses or, or or it's not the regular amount that comes in all the time. But do you have a set of treasures that you know God has given to you and you must now manage? Very first, you give to God above and beyond. He gets first. Then your rent. Then your food. Then your others. He gets first. When you give to Him, He'll give you more back to cover the others when you do you don't only give to Him, but He gets first. But do you have a priority? Are you orderly in your giving? And then your temple. Uh, you think, what's my temple? Is that the church here? The temple? Do I take care of this building? No, the Bible says the temple is our body. God gave you your body. Some short, some, sh- some, some tall, some short, some wide. I'll let that alone. I'm not talking about weight necessarily, but some are big bone. Some of you are going to be male. Some are female. Some of you are ethnic groups. Some of you are multiple ethnic groups. Whatever it might be, God has made you with that temple. And He says, I designed your temple and I live in it. I bought it with my blood and I'm living in it to live out my life, God's life, His spirit filled life, God, through you. So now, if it's the temple, I want to give back to Him the healthiest temple I possibly can through which He now can build His kingdom. So that will mean what do I eat? How do I exercise? From weight training to cardio to stretching. What about rest? All those things necessary. Are we orderly with our bodies? Because he gave us at birth an orderly body. Now some of you might say, but you don't know, I was born without uh, sight in one eye and I don't hear with this. That may be true. But whatever you are, God made you that way and he wants you to do the best with it you can. I'll say this and I'll leave this point. I need to work on this. I'm asking God to help me. But that's not it. It's not only my temple. It's all these other areas too. Does that mean I'm doing it so I don't get cancer? I've got to do it because I want to look good. I want to do this so I I don't have a heart attack. Uh, Those are okay reasons. But that's not the best reason because when we don't really care too much, we'll we'll just go ahead and eat and take care of it next. But when we have surrendered to the lordship of an orderly God who gave us our bodies... We now choose to do this as a gift back to Him. It's about Him. It's not about us. And then we go into the tongue. And we need to be orderly with it. Do we use our tongue to praise Him, to encourage others, to comfort the brokenhearted, to teach and instruct those who need knowledge, to rebuke and bring kind correction to those that are stepping off the path? Do we share the message of the very gospel with other people so they can live forever with this orderly God and so how are we using our tongue or is it with lies deception criticism condemnation profanity pollution lies I don't know and I I don't have anybody in mind but I know that God is orderly and he says I've given you all of this your offering is you back to me and we want to do that and so think about it here's the second put away put things away after each use I won't say a lot about that. I think you know just putting things back will help you save a little bit more time every day. The third one is is to maintain my God-given possessions and appearance. Maintain my God-given possessions and appearance in such a way as to let people know I respect the Lord. Now I'm going to tell you that you can let people know that you respect the Lord, but they may, may never get the message. But let me encourage you to say, God always gets the message. When you do this to bring respect to the Lord, if nobody else in this church or your family doesn't see why you did it for God's glory, God sees it. And He smiles. And He knows the struggle that you've had. And He loves you. And He says, I know it's tough for you. I know you've been wired. I know you've had so many of these habits in you. I know. But you're wanting to do this for my glory. And there's just such a specialness. Jesus says, if any man serves me, him will my father honor, and you're serving him with this, and he's going to honor you with that. And so it's maintaining my God-given possessions, but also appearance to let people know, and maybe God know that I respect him. Now, I've chosen male and female here for just a moment. Not that I want to pick on you, but it says here, in like manner also that the women order and arrange themselves, that's the word adorn, cosmios, adorn themselves in modest apparel, so how you dress, what you wear and why you wear it shows if you're an orderly woman and the rest of the verse goes on in verse 10 to talk about we do it in the fear of God. We do it to respect God. Then it says with propriety and moderation not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing but with a but but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. So a lot of times our orderliness is in what we wear. Now ladies, I'm not here to talk about how long or how short is short on a girl or how much you can see in the front or how tight your clothes are or how much you wear underneath or all of that. I'm not going there with that. That That is legalism. But what's inside of you is to say, I want to be modest. I want to arrange. I want to reveal that about me that brings greatest glory to God, that takes the focus off of me and back onto Him. That I do not cause other people, other men in any other way to lose an opportunity for them to see godliness, God-orderliness and how God made me. So it's to accentuate whatever God has made about me that brings honesty and holy and purity, holiness and purity back up to the Lord. Now, you can go wherever you want with that and take it even further if you would like. It could talk about clean clothes, stylish clothes, conservative clothes. It could go on and on. The point of the matter is it's not so much the length necessarily as much as it is are you orderly, and adorned in an orderly fashion in the fear of God. Now, I don't want to leave the men out, and particularly it's interesting because he speaks to those men who are of the highest church leadership, which would be elders now. Now, I would say that doesn't leave the rest of us off the hook, or the rest of you off the hook, because all of us should be aspiring for these character traits, but if a guy is going to be in a position of eldership, then he does need to have this already in his life. And let's look at it. It says, A bishop, pastor, shepherd... Then must elder, then must be blameless. Okay, how is he to be blameless? And now the umbrella is blamelessness. Underneath the umbrella is a husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior. There's that word, very similar, if not in fact the exact word that says it in the chapter before it to women. That you now are orderly. And it's in your decorous way, how how you present yourself of good behavior, modesty. All of that's wrapped up in that word of being good behavior. So when you men, you read good behavior, yes, it means honesty, decency, and integrity, but it also means a whole lot more. It's your whole persona about you is orderly as unto God for His glory. Now, I don't know, but I think that's enough to let you chew on. Let me give you some action steps, and we'll close. Number one, receive Christ as your Savior. I need to park on that because it is essential. I would like to think that you are far enough along in your spiritual journey to agree that God is orderly. Now what I'd like you to understand from Scripture is that if He is orderly, He desires the very world that He's created and you and me and lifestyle to be as orderly as it can be with us. When we trust Christ as Savior, here's what we get. We get God of order inside of us. He now wants to rule inside of us. And when we allow him to rule inside of us, then that orderliness takes over and our personal life gets better. Now, we still live in a world that's very disorderly. But there's a time that when the dust settles on the end of our life and we can go to bed that we know that we are as orderly as God wanted us to be. And so we need to have that orderliness inside of us. Now, let me tell you the consequences of not having Christ in us by faith. First, we don't have the ordered one, God, in us. That means that any bit of orderliness we have, it's going to be man-made. We might even make our bedroom and our closets and our lanai's more orderly, only to die and spend eternity in a horrible disorder lake of fire separated forever from that which is order that produces peace and joy and all that that goes with orderliness around God. We're separated from that. And God says, I want to come inside of you. I will forgive you of your disorderliness. I'll forgive you of your sin. All you've got to do is come to me by faith alone. Believe I died on the cross. I orderly said in the Old Testament, I would come. I was organized when I lived my life. I went to the cross at that time, at that place, and I hung there and I died for you just like I said. I was orderly in the fashion. I died orderly. I resurrected orderly. He says, I did that for you. Now, please receive him as your precious, personal, forever savior. You've got to admit your life is a mess. We all have. I've been there. You've been there. We have to admit that our life is so much a mess we're separated from God and we need him in our life. And no good deed I do myself, I can go home and clean up my lanai, clean up the clutter in my bedroom or closet, and still go straight to hell. I need to be forgiven of all my sin and disorderliness is only a small part of a whole life. And so I come to him by faith alone. And I pray that you do. It's not by works of righteousness. Secondly, you need to recall who owns you and your possessions, those of you that know Christ as Savior. Everything you have has been given to you by God. You don't have it. He's loaned to you and you're a steward of it. You manage what he owns. We do that. Remember, you must give an account of what the Lord, and change that, that should be a capital L in there. The Lord gave you and how you use it. You have to give an account. All of us now and in the future are going to have to give an account of how we used our time, talent, treasures, temple, and tongue. Number four. This one really takes the post-toasty Christian here, the one that wants to go a little bit further than the rest. You have to request a loved one to point out areas in your life about things you own that are not kept in an orderly fashion. Now, I hope you have a loved one in your life who's not just there, but is also full of grace, that will do it kindly and perhaps is loaded with a lot of mercy. Number five, rely on the Lord to help you become orderly. Would you put a check by that one? Because there's no way we can do it alone. We have to exchange our inability for his ability. We have to exchange his orderliness for our disorderliness. So we are relying on the Lord to become orderly. And then finally, number six, recognize the benefits of an orderly life I want you to know that God really loves us He really cares and He does want to take care of your life Carol shared with me a little while ago how that she was driving down the highway I didn't see this but she did and she got a chuckle out of it she said she saw this car that knew that it didn't pass inspection but they were driving illegal anyway it had like a headlight that was broken and winking at you kind of down kind of going down the road cockeyed Back window cracked. Cracks all over the front window. Car was all rusted out. Smoke coming out of the back. And there was a bumper sticker. And the bumper sticker said, God is my financial manager. I don't know if they were saying it to be sarcastic or what, but too many people today will talk about God is the God of my life, and yet we have our life so out of disorder, it's almost illegal. And it is my prayer that all of us, and I'm in it with you, that together we would sense the great orderliness of Almighty God and that we would embrace Him and receive Him into our life by faith alone and then allow that orderliness to, like a candle, reveal what our life is like. It starts from the inside out. How about our time? How about the gifts God's given to us? How about our treasures? I spoke about money, but it's anything we own. From and we're out of order with all of that. And God said, Bring it into order. How about our temple? It's not a New Year's resolution. He owns it. We need His help. And we want to give it back to Him. A holy, adorned vessel. And then finally maybe our tongue. Our tongue to use to praise Him. Our tongue to use to encourage and comfort. Our tongue to use to teach and inform. Our tongue to carefully and graciously correct. And our tongue to share the gospel with those who are lost who have little or no knowledge of an orderly God who loves them and wants to put order back into it. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, I'd like you to have a moment right now with a very orderly God. Do not look at Him as one who is wagging this finger of bony wrath at you. I want you to see a God who is smiling at you right now, saying, I love you and I wanted you to hear this message and I divinely appointed it for you. He says, I can see already what your life could look like if it was organized and orderly. I see the blessings that are out there that are so huge because I can see the end from the beginning and the right now because I am the great I am. I want you to look at a God like that, a God of order. He's a God that's not out of order. He's not working with somebody else and He's neglecting you. He loves you. And now you have an opportunity to receive that love, to breathe in that love from Him. Are you desperate for that love? It's come to you on the wings of a dove. It's come to you in God's word. He loves you. He loves you. Messed up life and all. And he says, Now would you trust my son to give you eternal life in heaven forever the forgiveness of sin? Is there anyone in here today that would be willing to receive God's love? What he did for us on the cross? Rose again from the dead? And said, if you would believe in me, it's not believing and behaving. It's believing only in my son. Here's what you could say to the Lord. It's really almost done before you pray. It's a transaction in your heart for you're simply saying, Lord, I'm depending upon Christ now, the one who rose again from the dead, thanking you for your love for me. And I am now counting on you, the God who cannot lie, the orderly God to fulfill your promise to take me to heaven because I'm trusting in you alone. Now, if you do that even in your own words, as long as they are in agreement with Scripture, it's by faith alone. Jesus says, I've forgiven you. You have a home in heaven. I am now living in you and I will make sense out of your life. I'll put some order back in there again if you let me have control. Now, is there anyone in here with the heads bowed and eyes closed that would like to silently let me know you're trusting Christ and that uplifted hand would indicate so to me. Now, when you raise your hand, that doesn't mean you're going to heaven. It, just mean, it doesn't mean you're, you're using your hand to get you to heaven. It means you're letting me know you're trusting Christ to get you there. And when I pray for you, I'm not going to mention your name in my prayer or have you stand up or come forward. Salvation is personal at this moment. Later on, make it as public as you possibly can. God would want you to do that. But right now, so you're not confused, salvation is a personal faith thing done between you and the Lord. Is there anyone in here now or trusting Christ as their Savior, they'd like for me to pray for them with heads bowed and eyes closed because you're trusting Christ in here today. Would you pop up your hand real quick so I can see it? Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Those of you who raised your hand, you can bow your heads and close your eyes. You know who you are. I wrote a booklet called Now That You Believe and I'd love very much to give you a personal copy. I know that maybe you've been a believer in Christ before, maybe it finally came and made sense to you today, but I'd like you to have that little booklet. I want to speak to the rest of you who know you're going to heaven. How many of you would like to have prayer because God really spoke to you? He revealed a little bit more, reminded you maybe, if not in fact taught you some about his orderliness, and that really was the conviction you needed to recognize a very orderly God, that the Spirit of God took the Word of God to reveal His orderliness to you. And I, it's so huge, we couldn't cover all of it. But I think now you know that God is a God of great order. And now you're to the point to say, but He lives inside of me. And there's a disconnect. I have been living my life with a lot of, without the order I could have. And I'm ready now to let Him take complete control and I'm releasing myself to Him. He, in his orderliness, will live out through me with my time, talent, treasures, temple, and tongue. Now, Pastor, I, I'm asking God to help me. I, I, I may take a step back, but I'm asking God to help me to take two steps forward. Would you Would you pray for me, Pastor? I'd like to do that for you. Is there anyone with an uplifted hand that would like for me to pray for you in the area of orderliness today? Amen, and amen, and amen. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I know that this message is not to imply that everybody's life is so out of control, so disorderly. It's not. It's always that good, better, and best. That some are good, but they want to be better. Some are better, and they want to be best, we might say. But Lord, we ask now that you'll take this message to all of us. First, to those that have trusted you as Savior, that they know that going to heaven is by grace alone through faith alone. And that they would read a very orderly book written by a very orderly God, who will give them orderly enlightenment from their from your word, Lord. So get them into the word. I pray that their life would become more orderly and they would be here every single Sunday they possibly can to put themselves underneath the sound of the word of God with other people who are their fellow travelers on the road toward orderliness, that they have a group that loves them, that they'll be here every week. I pray that, Father, that they would talk to you in prayer and get a more orderly conversation with you. For all we all know what it's like trying to have a conversation with someone who's just all over the map when they talk to us. And Father, help us now to remember you've left us here to demonstrate to the world by our life and by our lips, by our walk and by our words, that you are the orderly Savior, the only Savior that died and rose again. So help us, Father, as we go out into this world and share with others the wonderful grace and mercy of an orderly God. It is in your name we pray. Amen.
0: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida.